The first reading is from 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Matthew, the 25th chapter. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him there will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He came, he comes, and he will come again. That has been the theme of these three Advent services. He came, he comes, and he will come again. Past, present, and future. Two weeks ago when we talked about he came, We went back to the creation of the universe 13.8 billion years ago and the creation of our planet about 4 billion years ago and God who, who knows the end from the beginning from that time had a love affair with this planet. As far as we know, this is the only planet in all of the universe that has life and some of it may be intelligent. And when things messed up, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. He came. He comes. We saw that last week. He comes. He he promised where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. He's here. The spiritual presence of Jesus Christ is with us now. We pray, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. We sing, he walks with me and he talks with me. He comes. And tonight, he will come again. He's coming back. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. He will come. Now, I don't have a timetable for that. I can't tell you when he's coming. There are lots of people, some of them even well-intentioned and sincere, who will tell you he's coming next Thursday or a week from Tuesday. They have this grand scheme of when he's coming. They don't know anything. It's happened for hundreds of years. 
People have predicted the coming of Christ, and they've all been wrong. The fact of the matter is nobody knows. Jesus said, I don't know. He said, only the Father knows. But what we know, he's coming. The reading from Matthew begins, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him. He's coming. And St. Paul talked about the return of Jesus Christ. And he told us, he told us that when Jesus comes, there'll be a trumpet. You know when a big shot comes in the room, sometimes there's a trumpet, right? Da, 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 and it comes in. Well, St. Paul says that's going to happen. I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime or your lifetime, but this I know, I listen for the trumpets. We live listening for the trumpets because we know. We know he's coming back. Uh, I'm not a fan of country and western music. Anybody a fan of country and western music? You know, oh, I see that. I prefer Mozart to Mickey Gilly. But there is a country and western song. That I like the title of it. And the title is this. I read the last chapter, and we win. Anybody ever heard that song? I read the last chapter, and we win. Of course, it's like if you're reading a a murder mystery, and you get into it a little bit, and you get so antsy, you want to know what's going on. You go to the back, right? You go to the back, and you, you find out that the butler did it. And then the rest of it makes sense, and you can read it without being uptight. Well, this country and western song talks about human history. What happens with human history? Well, at the end of it, we win. The Christians win. Well, and of course, the last chapter, at least the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, tells us exactly about when we win. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom of priests, serving as God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Look, look, he is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account will the tribes of the earth wail. So it is to be. And Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That is, I am the beginning, and I am the end. He's coming back. He came. He comes. He's coming back. Of that, there is no doubt. There are a lot of pictures of that. One of my favorites is, is from, the, uh, uh, fr- from the, uh, the book of, of Philippians. And I read this to you last time. Last week, when we talked about, we talked about Jesus coming, I read this portion of Philippians. About Jesus, how he he emptied himself. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And you have this idea of Christ coming. He doesn't stop as a big shot. 
He doesn't start assembling middle class. He stops, uh, he comes down and he stops when he is humble. In fact, he takes the cross. That's how far down he came. Even death on the cross. And then the next word is therefore. Because he came down so far, therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, I love this, at the name of Jesus, Every new he should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the picture I get of that is when Jesus comes back and the general resurrection, there has to be a resurrection if there's a judgment. And all the people who ever lived are gathered together in one, kind of like one big stadium. Can you see it? Can you imagine billions of billions of people in one big stadium? Can you see it? And because this is God, everybody has a front seat. Nobody is sitting behind a post. And down in the middle is Jesus Christ. Everybody can see him. And everybody's on his feet. And they're all saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the, and the sound fills all of eternity. And everybody will say it. Muhammad will say it. Now, I'm not anti-Muslim. Don't get me wrong. But when we say he will come to judge the living and the dead, that doesn't just mean Europeans. It means everybody. Everybody will see him. Muhammad will see him. And Buddha will see him. And Hitler will see him. And Idi Amin will see him. And Plato will see him. And Aristotle will see him. And they'll all say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And some, some of us will say it and we'll love it. And for some of them, it'll stick in their throats. I grew up in Brooklyn, in New York, in the 40s. And uh, that tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> and I was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Pee Wee Reese, Carl Ferrillo, Roy, how many of you know those names? Roy Campanella, I love them all. When the Dodgers left Brooklyn in 1957, I quit baseball. It still hurts almost 60 years later that my Brooklyn Dodgers went out to California. In the 40s, when I was growing up, there were three baseball teams in New York. There was the Dodgers and the Giants, and they were in the National League, and the Yankees were in the American League. I'm a Dodger fan. I didn't like the Giants at all. And since you can't say hate in church, <laughs> I really didn't like the Yankees. <laughs> because the American League, most of the teams in the American League were patsies. They were not very good. And most years, 
the Yankees won the American League pennant, and they, oftentimes they took the World Series. And then my Yankee friends would come to me and say, see again, the Yankees are world champions. And I had to say, yes, they're world champions, but I didn't want to say it, and it stuck in my throat. <laughs> and in the same way, all those people looking down at Jesus Christ will say, Jesus Christ is Lord, but they don't have to like it. But they will have to acknowledge the reality that Jesus Christ was and is Lord. I read the last chapter. And we win. And he's coming back. Jesus Christ will come again. And after that, I think there is a judgment. The judgment and the sentencing. And we heard that. We heard that in the reading from Matthew that he's going to send the sheep go here and the goats go there. Some go to the left, some go to the right. Some go to heaven and some go to H-E double toothpicks. There'll be a judgment. He'll come back, and that'll happen. And one of the things, the pictures that I like is from the book of Revelation, which, which doesn't spend any time talking about the people who go to the bad place. It spends a lot of time talking about the people who go to heaven. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, they crowd out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these? Who are these in white robes? Where did they come from? And he said, These, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. I get this. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. Now, before they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, what color were they? They were black. They were dirty. They were filthy. They were disgusting. And of course, that blackness is a metaphor. It stands for something. The blackness, the dirt, the filth stands for sin. It stands for rebellion. It stands for disobedience. And people with dirty robes are not allowed in the kingdom of heaven. But these folks have white robes. And how did that happen? Well, what cleanser did they use? Can you get it at Walmart? They washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. 
and made them white. That is to say, they claimed the blood of Jesus for their own. That the blood of Jesus leads to the forgiveness of sins. They washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. Many years ago, a fundamentalist preacher said to me, Reverend, do you preach the blood in your church? I'm a Lutheran. I didn't learn anything about preaching the blood in my, in my seminary. Preach the blood? I mean, that, that sounds kind of grisly and gory, doesn't it? It sounds kind of fundamentalistic, if you ask me. Then I thought about it. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Who can finish the verse? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John preached the blood. There's a wonderful hymn. There's power in blood. How many of you are there? There's power, power. There's a couple of hands. Let's see the hands again. There's power, power, wonder-working power. In what? In the blood of the Lamb. Preach the blood. And we Lutherans sing this one. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. <laughs> we preach the blood. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Yeah, I, I preach the blood. Because you have to wash your robe in the blood of the Lamb to go to heaven. You have to embrace the cross and the salvation that the cross brings to go to heaven. When Jesus comes, and if you happen to be standing before God, don't tell him how many committees you served on. <laughs> and don't tell him how many times you were on the church council. And don't tell him how many bowls of soup you made for church. I'm not putting those things down, but they don't matter. Those are the things you do after you wash your robe in the blood of the Lamb. Then we're glad to do those things. See, when we come before the great throne and come to the judgment, there's only one question. Have you washed your robe in the blood of the Lamb? And every Sunday when we go to church, at the time of the confession, that's robe cleaning time. If you have washed your robe in the blood of the Lamb, raise your hand. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. And don't be afraid to raise both hands. Say, there you go. Yes, good. We've washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb. And they're white. 
We don't have to worry about the judgment. He's coming back. But we don't worry about the judgment. And so we can pray that ancient prayer that the church prayed. The ancient church prayed, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come on back. He's coming back. And with the mess the world is in, he can't come soon enough. Amen.